The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. I think that part of the reason that realtors get so put off and intimidated is there are some really great agents out there doing amazing video with production crews and lighting and music and drones and all of this fanciness. And it's intimidating to someone who hasn't even yet been able to push record on their iPhone. And so the video that I'm doing is not even in the same category as the video that they're doing, but it works and it makes me happy and I enjoy doing it. And I wish more people realized that it doesn't have to be this big, fancy production to be effective. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 158 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As I always say, thank you so much for telling a friend and really thank you for leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us grow. Uh, And today, as I always am, I'm so excited to talk to a realtor doing some really neat stuff with video. Also, with a pretty cool story, uh, been all over this country, so I can't wait to talk to her. Uh, it's Laura Fangman. She's with Century 21 Legacy in Knoxville, Tennessee. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I, 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 you've got some really neat stuff you're doing, as I mentioned, and I want to get into it. But the first thing I want to say is, even though you're working in Knoxville, you're in Tennessee, you're not a native of there, right? Where'd you grow up? So I grew up in uh, Quincy, Illinois. Um, I haven't been there in quite some time, but that's where I grew up. Pretty much my whole entire life was spent in a little river town in the Midwest. Tell me, tell me what Quincy's like. I, I think it's it's kind of a southwest portion of Illinois, right? No, it's smack in the center. Um, okay. It's right on the bump. Um, if okay. anybody is a, a Mark Twain fan, um, we're about thirty minutes north of Hannibal, Missouri, right on the Mississippi. The, as far west as you can go in Illinois and pretty much central right there. Central. Okay. You know, you and I chat a little bit before the, before we start, we hit record and I, we have to share the story with the uh, audience. I'm good friends with a, a guy named Jeff Wallace who relocated from Quincy. In fact, his wife went to UT, University of Tennessee. And so, <laughs> uh, so they re- relocated in 2001 to Phoenix and I met him. Uh, I actually handled the closing of their, their home. His dad's name is Lauren Wallace, and he was supposed to be this coaching legend in Quincy. So do you know Lauren Wallace? So I I don't personally know him, no. Um, But you're absolutely right. He is a coaching legend in Quincy, Illinois. I'm hoping that I'm remembering this right and not telling someone else's story. But I remember as a kid, my dad had us in the car and drove us past their house. Um, because he had the logo, the, the school's mascot painted on his garage door. A, a great big blue devil was on his garage door. And it was the coolest thing. And I just remember my dad was like really excited about it and wanted us to see it and drove us past. And it was one of the coolest things I remember being a little bitty kid. You know, high school sports, especially in small towns, are such a big deal. Um, so that was kind of like going to see the Hollywood sign, 
for, for little Midwestern kids. I, I can't wait to share that with Jeff. He's, he's going to love that story. <laughs> That's great. So I'm gonna, so Quincy, you, you have got to be close to Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago. Aren't those all kind of, could you be a fan of any of those teams? I mean, so Not that, if you're loyal. <laughs> well, uh, in Quincy, <laughs> were there Cardinal fans and Royals fans and Cubs fans? Um, you know, I don't know about Royals because Kansas City is pretty far on the okay. other side of, of the state. But um, but certainly there's a heated debate between Cards and Cubs okay. because you're much closer to St. Louis. It's, I don't know, maybe, I mean, you can get to the amphitheater at the Earth City exit in maybe an hour and a half from Quincy. Oh, okay. um, and it's a little bit farther to get into the to Bush Stadium. So you're, you know, technically you're an Illinois resident. You should probably be a card carrying member of the Cubs club. Um, but an awful lot of people, especially downstate, don't really identify with Chicago and the Cardinals are much closer. So I'm not a super sportsy person. Um, I do enjoy NFL in the fall and winter and, and we are diehard Bears fans. That's just one thing we haven't given up. Yeah. Um, so if we're talking sports, it'll be NFL football and, and we are the sad legion of Bears fans. All right. So now um, we're now we moved to Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> So t- t- let's talk real quick about that for a second. I think you're you're a military family, correct? Uh, we are, yeah. My oh. husband just retired after 27 years in the Marine Corps. Wow. Awesome. Congratulations. Please thank him for his service. And I will. Thank you. Let's rattle off the states you've lived in. I think you can do this, right? I love when people can tell me where they've been. <laughs> well, we've got some repeats. So when we first got married, um, Jeff was on recruiting duty, and we actually moved quite a few different times inside the state of Illinois. Um, So we started in Quincy. I was actually going to school in Macomb at the time, and he was in Quincy. And then we moved to Bloomington Normal. um, And then from there, we were in Peoria. And then from there, we transferred out to Cherry Point, North Carolina, which is Havelock, Moorhead City area on the coast. From there, we went to Virginia Beach to a school, the Norfolk area. And after that, we went down to Paris Island, South Carolina, which is just a little bit north of Savannah, Georgia. And then from there, we went, oh, he was stationed at the Pentagon. So we lived in Northern Virginia for a few years. And then from there, we were transferred to Albany, Georgia. And we were only there for about 13 months. And his unit actually shut down at that base. And so we were transferred back to Virginia, only to Quantico this time. And so he was there for a little while and then uh, went back to the Pentagon for a little while and actually retired out of the Pentagon. Wow. So you, you stayed on the eastern side of the states the entire time. No no trips over to California. We or, sure did. Yeah. So that's, well, that's good for you and your family, I'm sure. So Honestly, it really was. And Jeff, um, Jeff started his career in New Orleans. And so he's done the, the West Side tours. He's done the overseas tours and that kind of stuff. But I came into the picture Fortunately for me, after some of that was out of the way. Let's talk about you. Where did you, uh, where did you go to college? Well, I started at WIU uh, in Macomb, which is probably one of the lesser known Illinois state schools. Um, and it was fantastic. It was a great experience. It was such a great experience that they said, hey, you're having a really great experience. Maybe you should take a break. So I did. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> All right. So I, I, I started there. and took a little break and ended up finishing my degree a few years later um, through Ashford University, which is in Clinton, Iowa. Um, but I actually finished my degree online. I had like a handful of credits that I had to finish for my last year of school and I 
ended up doing it online. Good, you got it. That's great. And and I'm I'm yep. just gonna guess. I'm just gonna guess that real estate wasn't even a blip on the radar at this point in your life. It was not in the very strictest sense, but looking back, it was always kind of there. I just didn't know what it was yet. Like I knew what I wanted to feel like, and I knew. I had kind of a vision of what my professional life would look like. I just didn't realize it was real estate at the time. So I started, I started as a poli sci major actually. Okay. Um, and I, I was quite sure I was going to be a lobbyist and I was going to go to Washington and make all the changes and, you know, be powerful and things. And those classes were awful. Like there, there wasn't enough to keep me in that program. Um, and so then I changed to journalism because, you know, investigative reporting, I can do a lot of the same things on a more flexible schedule. And then shortly thereafter, took a little bit of a break. And then when I finished up, it was one of those, I need to finish this degree. What am I closest to? And that answer was sociology. And I think the, the classes that I ended up taking to complete that degree, um, everything happens for a reason. And I was meant to complete that particular degree program. So it's very fitting for the work I do now. And it was, it meant a lot to me as I was going through it. It wasn't just text in a box. I enjoyed the classes and enjoyed what I learned out of them. So, I mean, I mean, a liberal degree, liberal arts degree with a lot of critical thinking skills, you know, being baked into you, there's, there's something to be said for that, especially in, in like you said, in what you do today, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just understanding, understanding different people, you know, I had to take anthropology classes and, and different things like that and understanding people's backgrounds and the reasons why people uh, behave certain ways or perform certain ways in the history, you know, it's, what you see in front of you is not necessarily what always has been. And it's good to have that information when you're dealing with all kinds of different people on a regular basis. Right. What'd you do right out of school? What was your, uh, what was your, we'll call it first career? During the break, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, I worked at a factory. Like it's like I, in my mind to say, I picture Lucille Ball. It wasn't quite that cool. There was no candy. Okay. Um, but I, it was one of those like, really, you're not going to school. Well, guess what you are going to do? So I worked in a factory. Uh, it was a company called Harris Broadcast, and we made um, transmitters for HDTV, which was not a thing back then. Um, so it's kind of exciting. Like the very first HDTV I'd ever seen was in the lobby of our building where they had one put up. And from there, I had gone back to school. I met Jeff. We got married. We moved a lot. So I did some office things. You know, when you're not going to be in a place for a terribly long time, it's kind of hard to get a career started. Right. And then not too long after that, I was doing the full-time mom gig. So that definitely took every single bit of my time and then some. And then it got to the point where, you know, we were, the kids were getting a little bit older and I was itching to do whatever it was I was meant to do. I ended up starting a business when we lived in South Carolina. Um, it was actually a laundry service. It's not glamorous, but um, I, it was what I could do at the time. The startup was minimal. I already had a laundry machine um, and I needed something that I could do on my terms with little bitty kids at home. So I started this laundry service. It was delivery only. And there were enough people in the area that I was in who were willing to pay someone to come pick up their laundry and return it to them you know, at their, literally at their doorstep and they would pay for that service. So that's what I did. Wow. So um, the entrepreneur, I, the entrepreneur and you, uh, popped out right there, right? <laughs> it sure did. It that's sure great. Did. I love um, it. And truly it was a fabulous 
I, I was so proud of myself. Like I remember I had a, a magnet on the side of my car and that advertised the service. And we went to pick someone up at the airport and we were walking into the parking garage and my son ran up to the car and he goes, it's this one. This one's my mommy's car. Look. And it had this silly magnet that I'd literally made myself on the side of my car. And that was one of my proudest moments. Like truly in my very best month, I think I, my best month was like $971 or something like that. Sure. But it was, it could have been a million. Like my child saw my hard work and saw what I was doing. And that made all the difference in the world to me. Wow. So, cause I know you've got that entrepreneur startup mentality, which is critical in the world of real estate. How does real estate enter the picture for you? So uh, that also kind of began in South Carolina. I had a friend who, as a lot of our friends did, rotated out and moved to Okinawa um, over on the other side of the world. And they were good friends of ours. They had a house in the area that they needed to rent out. And they asked me if I'd keep an eye on it for them. And then it kind of was one of those situations where it got progressively more involved. And um, then I needed to find a tenant and deal with collecting rent and, and that sort of thing. And those tenants ended up moving on. And I said, you know, with the people rotating through here, I think you might actually do better if we just furnish it and rent it out that way. So then I went through the process of, you know, furnishing the home and finding tenants and that kind of thing. And I just really enjoyed it. And so in my infinite wisdom, not knowing what I didn't know, I was like, I could totally do this. So then I started advertising on Craigslist, essentially trying to get property management jobs. I didn't even know that's what it was called. Um, But I was just like, hey, I helped this guy and I'll help you too. So I started trying to get clients that way. Somebody pointed out to me that you might need to have a license to do that. <laughs> I was wondering where that and, was, when that was going to end. <laughs> I had no idea. And I'm so grateful that somebody, you know, thought a little bit farther ahead. Than, because in my mind, I'm just like, this is super. I, I like this. Let's do more of it. And so right about that time, we found out we were getting orders to move again. And so, you know, put the brakes on all of that. Transfer to Virginia. Uh, once we got settled, I had I was just wrapping up my degree, and I was like, okay, we need to revisit this, and we're going to start from the beginning and do it right. I need to get my real estate license. And I sat down with my husband, and I'm like, this is what this is going to mean. This is going to mean you're going to be with the kids on nights and weekends sometimes, and this is going to mean I have to work when you'd rather go take a hike or something. Are you in this with me? Because if you, if I don't, I literally said to him, if I don't have your buy-in, I'm not going to do it. And he was, he's the most supportive human I've ever met in my life. I don't know what I do without him. And, you know, I totally got the green light, thumbs up, and charged ahead. You get licensed. I'm sure you don't go straight into property management. I'm sure you decide to, to you know, work some, some you know, sales into it. Talk about your first year. Uh, how, did, how did that go? And, and let's talk about, you know, how you were able to bring that, even that experience from starting up the laundry service. You know, how were you able to make all that work together? The first year was, was really great, I would say. Again, not knowing what you don't know. In my world, um, it was incredible. The, the brokerage that I was with had, um, had kind of a system for um, your split increasing based on sales. And I was so excited the first time I got a bump. And I got some kind of company award for hitting a certain you know, dollar amount or something like that. And so I just really thought I was amazing at this. Um, looking back, knowing what I know now, that was it's really laughable, but then it was incredible. There were certainly ups and downs, like you'd expect with anything. I think that the skills, I don't even know if it's skills 
so much as it is just different personalities. And, and some of those things played in when I was working for myself in South Carolina and they transferred over into real estate, not being afraid to walk up to somebody, not being afraid to ask difficult questions, um, knowing which questions to ask and how to respond, especially when people are, are um, you know, frustrated or emotional or different things like that. So knowing how to get a stain out of a shirt was not so helpful as knowing why that person was upset that their shirt was stained and that same thing transferred over into real estate. This is really hard for people to move away from a family home and whether it's a shirt or a house, the emotion is still there. So that, I don't know if you necessarily, maybe it's a skill. I kind of believe that certain people just innately have those abilities. And and so it it definitely helped. Um, I royally bungled my very first listing I didn't understand. I didn't know what a net sheet was. I didn't understand how to explain to my clients what their costs were going to be. They ended up having significantly higher costs than I told them because I was only thinking about one side of the transaction and not the fact that the listing side was going to also be compensating the buying side. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was messy. And I will never forget that the agent, it was a, a couple who were selling their current home and buying another one. The agent who was buying, who was the listing agent for the home they were buying was so kind. And I was on the phone with her trying to negotiate something. And I finally said, listen, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is my very first transaction. I want to make sure I do it right. But I have no idea what you're talking about. And I wouldn't necessarily do that always or with anyone. But with this particular person, this was a situation where I could say that. I could tell I could you know, just let's get this done right and be honest. She was amazing. Um, to this day, she's not in real estate anymore, but she has contacted me and sent me clients and she walked me through step by step what needed to happen. And I was so grateful for her help. So that side of the transaction was fine. <laughs> On the other side where I was selling their home, um, you know, the pictures were great. We got it listed. We did very few showings and got an offer. That part of it went fine, but it was the the nuts and bolts of the transaction and we left closing and the wife wouldn't even look at me and I don't blame her. I really don't. This is the downside to realtors, you know, getting a license real quick and then being able to practice wherever they please. I literally went to my car and cried and I called my broker and just yelled and cried. Like I had no idea. And I felt so bad for those people. I never, never have made that mistake again. And I made a point from that, like I went back to the office and I just started talking to everybody who'd been there longer than me. Um, And I had a guy, his name's Ed, and I love him to pieces. And he looked at me and he goes, well, why didn't you just do a net sheet? I didn't even know that was a thing. Wow. So he said, yeah, you know, and he said, and the, the best training you can have is go try to sell your own house. And I didn't understand that at first. Like we were renting. What are you talking about? Go through the process. Like, you know what your square footage is. You know what all this other stuff is sell your own house that will teach you what you need to know for the next people. So, right. And it was only up from there pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So what year, what year was your first year in real estate? 2009. 2009. Yeah. So you're, you're coming up on 10 years now in the business. You've moved around. So you were in the, you were in Virginia as a realtor, just, just Virginia and Tennessee, right? Those are the two locations. Well, I was licensed in Georgia. Okay. Um, we, w- when we moved to Georgia, I went ahead and got all my licensure stuff taken care of. And I was licensed to practice in the beautiful state of Georgia. I didn't realize at the time how difficult it was going to be to start my business over. 
And we were in a very small town with some really established people who they're, they're very lovely, friendly people, but they can tell when you're not from there. And it was difficult for some of them to wrap their head around a person who walks and talks as fast as I do. Mm. Um, it, it was, I think there might've been a little bit of a gender bias thing and a little bit of a, I think they thought I was crazy, honestly, I'm not sure, but um, it was just a really tough road to hoe. And uh, after a very short amount of time, I realized this is not going to happen and I have bills to pay. So let's go get one of those real jobs. So then and I did, I worked at a radio station. Now what'd you do there? So I did uh, some ad sales and I did some, um, I was able to help some of the other people there because we had to write our own copy for the, you know, timed it out for the commercials and things like that. And I was actually in demand for recording some of those because at that time I pretty much still had that very neutral Midwestern accent. So I could speak very clearly to record the copy for the ad. Wow. And that's going to tie in nicely when we get to the video portion, because you're not afraid to get in front of a camera. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I, I, I want, I love pointing this out when I'm talking to a guest and I, I discover this, that you're heavily involved um, at the local and state association level. So talk about that, why you do that. Um, it takes a lot of your time. There's no pay. Uh, it's a volunteer thing. I think it's critical and important. You tell me why you do it. Gosh, street cred. I think that's probably a big part of it. Okay. I think that, I think that all too often, I, I feel very passionately about being involved. And I think all too often agents get into this business, not understanding that it's a career. People think of it as a job. And when you look at the bigger picture and understand all the different parts of our industry and the things that have to come into play to make this an industry and a successful one, it's, um, I, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's certainly much bigger than a lot of people realize. So when you see the people who are working hard, not only for the real estate industry, but also to help the consumers, or for example, you know, if you hear something's going to happen, you hear a rumor, when you're involved, you know who to go talk to and get that clarity. Um, and I'd rather have the information firsthand, to be honest. I don't want to rely on the scuttlebutt going around the office. So, and the bigger part of it too is, I don't know if you've ever seen Facebook, but there are people on there who like to complain and especially in the groups, and that's not particularly helpful. So if you see something you don't like, rather than complain about it, let's get a solution. And the best way to start moving your solution forward and have an impact is to be part of it. So if you don't have a seat at the table, you can complain all you want, but nothing's ever going to change. If you want to see something change, go be a part of it and make that change. And that's one of the biggest reasons that you should be involved. It's, it's your industry. It's not just, it's not a nine to five. You don't clock in and clock out and go home and it's somebody else's problem. It's your problem. So you need to be a part of it. It sounds like you're getting scratched that itch that young Laura had, the lobbyist, <laughs> right? Where you get to go in and you get to, you're, you're making a difference. And it's, a, it's, you know, that's a, that's a great feeling, right? It really is. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of excited when I found out about RPAC and, and the different things that go on there and the different ways to be involved. But I mean, truly, and not everybody's going to have that same um, feeling about it that I do. But if you want to think about it in a different way, especially when you're new in the business and you don't know anybody except maybe three people in your office and you finally get a buyer and you go out and you want to write this offer and the person on the other side 
has no idea who you are. And now you are just another annoying agent who's, you know, clouding up the industry for everybody else. If you're volunteering, if you're showing, you don't even have to volunteer. If you're just showing up at meetings um, at your association or going in person to take classes and accidentally meeting someone, eventually people begin to know who you are. So even if you're not closing a deal a week, you are known and people know what kind of person you are and they look forward to working with you. It really helps if you know the person on the other side of the transaction. Now you're a, you know, a known quantity instead of just this strange person that nobody's ever heard of that may or may not know what they're doing. Yeah, let's take that to another level because I'm a huge believer in the power of relationships and, and how important they are in the world uh, of real estate. And you've just touched on one aspect of that, right? The ability to develop these relationships and, you know, in, with, with other realtors. Talk about the importance of relationships overall in your business. Um, how critical are they to your success? There's nothing without relationships. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> Good. It, truly, it's, relationships are everything. So none of this, to me, is worth it if you're not helping people. And if you're helping people, they usually like you and relationships just sort of happen. Um, you're going to have transactions that you complete and you kind of hope you never bump into those people again. And then you're going to have people that end up, you know, coming over to your house on Christmas Eve. So there, there are lots of different levels of relationships. Talking about relationships doesn't necessarily mean now you're going to swap kidneys or anything like that. There are different levels, but building those, gosh, it's, it's everything. It absolutely is. So, and it's interesting to me too, taking away from the, the consumer side for just a moment and going back to realtors, so many realtors see themselves as adversaries, like that's the competition over there or the, the other side or the bad guys, or, you know, this is who we have to beat. And I've never felt that way. These are people that I can learn from. These are people who are trying to help their clients achieve the same goal that I'm trying to help my clients achieve. These are people that I work with. We have different colors on our shirts or whatever, but at the end of the day, we're all in this boat together and that's invaluable. And then when you get out and start building relationships in the community, um, you know, I've made a point to find different businesses and, and things like that. And you learn from these other business owners and it makes you smarter and it gives you credibility with consumers because you're now, you know, rubbing elbows with these other people that already have more established credibility than you may have. Um, and it helps you personally. I, I literally called a roofer this morning to come look at a property for me. And I called him because he had won a poll that we put up um, and he was the people's choice and a whole bunch of people vouched for him. Now I have a really great resource. It turned out to be an awesome guy. Um, so it helps me on so many different levels just to build those really. And besides, you know, if you don't have relationships, you're really lonely. Who wants to be lonely? <laughs> Good call. Well, I, yeah, I love listening to the way you, you're very passionate about uh, that topic, the way you talked about that. I love it. And, and I think it, it just dovetails so nicely into what you're doing with video. First of all, you're, did you start your video work heavy uh, in Tennessee? No, I started it in when we were in Virginia, actually. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I really kind of went hot and heavy on the business side of things once we were here in Tennessee, but I started the video thing a couple of years ago and it was actually, of it was at the urging of uh, my broker from Fredericksburg and Peter Brewer. Do you know Peter and Tara? 
uh, from both, Australia. Both are guests on the podcast, right? <laughs> so they are amazing, yep. amazing people. Yep. Um, and long before I ever worked at Redwood, Peter and Tara were in town doing some training, and I was invited to ride along to go up to Ashburn and see this presentation. And the presentation was about using video in your business. And they had some really great examples of different things that people are doing with video and some really high-end stuff too. But, you know, Peter literally took his phone and hit record and made a video right there in front of us and was like, look, this is how difficult it is. It's not just mash the button. And that's kind of resonated apparently because that's how I ended up naming the video nonsense that I do. But um, it, it, made a whole lot of sense the way he described it. And when I realized that very few people were doing it, that made it even better. So, you know, the other thing that sticks out of my mind is it's very common to hear this, at least to me now, but back then, the first time I heard somebody say, get over yourself, they're going to meet you in person eventually. I was like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. I don't you know, my nose is on crooked and sometimes I sound like a chipmunk and sometimes it takes me 37 takes doesn't anymore because I realized that half the fun is tripping over my face. But once I realized that this was a really good tool and it was something that I had access to, it was off to the races. I think that part of the reason that realtors get so put off and intimidated is there are some really great agents out there doing amazing video with production crews and lighting and music and drones and all of this fanciness. And it's intimidating to someone who hasn't even yet been able to push record on their iPhone. And so the video that I'm doing is not even in the same category as the video that they're doing, but it works and it makes me happy and I enjoy doing it. And I wish more people realized that it doesn't have to be this big fancy production to be effective. Anyone who's listening needs to go find uh, Laura. So you can find her YouTube channel or just go to the, her website. Um, and you really have become fearless, I'll, I'll say, with video. I, you, you do interviews. So you mentioned you, you talk to local business community people. You've got the series where you're in the car. Uh, you've done a lot of different <laughs> things. And so um, how tough were the first couple and how easy is it now compared to back then? The first couple were super tough. And I, so there's, there's a thing now that's like 30 and 30 or something like that, that one of the video groups is doing, which I a hundred percent think is brilliant. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a thing a couple of years ago that at least not that I was aware of. And so I forced myself to do a video every single day for two weeks because I just needed to get over myself. I needed to quit being so concerned about, you know, saying within reason, saying the wrong thing or you know, my hair didn't look right, or I didn't like the way my voice sounded. I just had to get over it. And so I forced myself to do it every single day for two weeks. I didn't know how to edit. Um, I didn't know that I could crop the, the beginning and the end where it shows me sticking my finger up there to turn the record button on and off. Um, so they were pretty rough. It's, you know, it's not like they're a whole heck of a lot better now, but they were pretty rough at the beginning, but I just had to do it. That was the biggest thing was just do it. Yeah. And as time went on, people would, you know, throw out tips and here's, here's how to use iMovie or, you know, different things to, to help and improve the quality. But those first few videos, did you, I don't know if you looked at any of them. Did you find the ones where I sing? Uh, I did see a couple of those. That was, that's the worst. 
um, I literally have to get those up and never, never look back. Like you have to walk away from the explosion and never look back. Yeah. I, um, I got to tell people that, right? Because if you, I know some people who say they never watch their video back after they're done editing it, they'll never watch it again because it's just got to get rid of it and move on to the next thing. Right. Oh my God. I did one the other day where I did an unboxing. I bet I've watched that video myself 15 times because it makes me laugh every single time I watch it because I remember how awesome and excited I felt when I was making the video. Literally cracks me up. I, I love watching that one. Yeah, that Most was, of them I don't go back. And yeah. I'm not addicted to myself. <laughs> but, yeah, so the unboxing video, was it just uh, was it, it just hit you? Because obviously it's a thing on YouTube. It's a massive thing, right? There are channels devoted to it, people making money doing nothing but unboxing. What? How did that strike you, the... the, uh, the inspiration for that particular video? I, I truly had no idea that unboxing was this big of a thing. Oh. And apparently I did it all wrong um, <laughs> because it was way too long and I was, I just needed to open the damn box already. I'm sorry, Bill. I think Valerie, um, I think Valerie Garcia was uh, commenting on that uh, during your, uh, during on that, on that video. Val yes. Valerie was, uh, was cheerleading my efforts to never do it that long again. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I just needed to, uh, to get to it. I don't know, but it was, it was so much fun. I, I truly, it literally was one of those Disney channel things. I was watching TV with one of the kids. I, I referenced it in the video and I wasn't kidding. I was watching TV with my daughter and some ridiculous show. They, there's a show called Bizarre Barks and the kids make videos and I don't know what else. Anyway, they did an episode that dealt with unboxing and I thought it was really funny and I had seen, as I scroll through the Facebook feed, I had seen other people opening boxes and I've clicked on a video one time and it was so boring and I could not wait for this lady. Like, I just wanted to know what was in the box and she wouldn't stop talking. And so I clicked off. I never did find out what was in the box because I just don't have time for that. So I knew that opening a box in a video was a thing. I just didn't realize that there was this whole movement. So when I saw this box on my front porch and I realized who it was from, it, it was just divine intervention i suppose i had to do a video of this because i was so stinking excited so, so we'll be nothing to do with real estate in any way whatsoever <laughs> well let's talk about that for a brief moment it doesn't have to right i mean look i mean if you're if you're um if you're connecting with people if people are finding what you do funny or interesting or educational it doesn't have to be about real estate you're trying to connect and build relationships right Exactly. And honestly, it shouldn't always, always, always be about real estate. Um, I've actually, you know, I've had situations where I've worked with overseas clients who are, you know, there's a lot of military turnover in Northern Virginia. And those people don't always have the luxury of house shopping for a while and going through the whole process. And I've had people from Japan and from California in different situations where they need to buy a house. They're trusting me to help them and we go back and forth and back and forth in emails and dealing with time zones. And they ask a question and I have a three hour long answer. So I type them in an encyclopedia and then they're overwhelmed. And so finally, you know, in those situations, I say, here's a, here's a link. Go check out my YouTube. Watch a couple of videos. See if you like me. And if you do, I'll go look at some houses and send you videos of those too. And it's work. Nice. <laughs> you know, what you see is what you get. And if they watch these videos and decide that I'm a person that they can trust to help them make this um, transaction happen, then we move forward. And it's been very, very helpful. 
Laura, I've had you here uh, way over the allotted time that you gave me. And so I'm going to ask you to answer the same question I've asked every single guest on the podcast. And that is, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just starting out in the business? This is going to sound so boring, but I feel so strongly about it. You have to have a plan. You have to have a business plan because you are now a business. Um, I think especially for, uh, depending on, on what brokerage you're at, especially with some of the larger brands, it's very easy to slip into an employee mindset and you can't do that. You are an independent contractor. You are now running a business. You need a plan and it has to include a budget and how you're going to educate yourself and get involved. I love that answer. And what, what timing is everything? This is uh, September that this episode releases. What better time than mm-hmm. now, if you hadn't done it yet, to start thinking about 2019, right? Absolutely. In the fall, I have a workbook that I developed for a very basic business plan. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, I will be more than happy to send it to them if they have no idea what they're doing and just need a starting point. Um, it's not the end all be all but it was what I developed that made sense to me. And I'd be happy to share that with other people. Wow. That's great. We'll, we'll put uh, your contact information in the show notes. So, um, but right now, what's the best way for people to reach out, reach out to you if they want to do that? Uh, so my email is Laura at laurafangman.com. Um, so that's a direct way to get me. Uh, you're certainly welcome to call. My cell phone number is 843 271 2113. That's still a South Carolina number because once the kids memorize it, you have to hang on to it. Um, and then, of course, we have a website. We've got a Facebook page, the Mission Team Knoxville, and we know Knoxville.com. Just, you know, come see us, check us out. Yeah, we know Knoxville.com is a website. Definitely go check it out. Laura, I think you're doing amazing things. Uh, for someone, you know, just we'll say it's just 10 years in the business, but um, I would say that, you know, in the last three or four, you've really taken it up you must feel the same way just to this whole nother level. And it's going to be fun to watch you continue to grow. So thank you so much for sharing your story. That's very kind of you. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate being here.